0: Welcome back, baseball fans. Episode 65 of Rounding Third, the baseball podcast. We are here with actual playoff coverage for the first time. It is Monday, October 10th. So we just got through a very exciting wild card weekend. Maybe not so exciting for Max. We're going to break down all of the series that happened this weekend. And right after we break down the series, we're going to talk about the future matchup that will be seen in the ALDS and NLDS, respectively. Roll the intro.
1: Today, I consider consider myself myself the luckiest luckiest man man on the face face of the the earth.
0: I mean, I just want to pass the floor right over to you. Absolute heartbreaker, elephant in the room.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's just jump into the Cardinals series. I mean, look, there's almost like not, there's not much for me to say. I mean, it's disappointing. Um, You know, obviously there's the Albert and Yachty piece, which we'll get to. But regardless, you know, this is just a team I root for. I watched you know, 120-plus games of theirs this year, and to see them going out, not even winning a game in the postseason, it's just disappointing. Um, and it's just the way we lost, too. I mean, game one, it's kind of a scoreless battle. Quintana is pitching great for the cards, uh, and, and I'm feeling really good about it. He goes five and a third with no runs scored. Wheeler is pitching great, too, so it's a pitching duel. And then Yepes gets the two-run pinch hit home run. Everything's looking good. Uh, Gallegos pitches well. Hicks pitches well. We're up 2-0 going into the ninth inning with Ryan Helsley coming up, who was missing time with a jammed middle finger going into this, like the past couple weeks he's been out. And all hell breaks loose pretty much. I mean, we, we, Helsley gives up four. Pelante gives up two. We're down 6-2. We get one random run in the Knights, make it 6-3, and we lose. We go one down. I mean, it was, just, it was just a turning point. You felt like the energy was just pulled out of Bush. And I was really nervous going into game two. We needed to get some good things done. And after Harper hit the homer, the deep bomb in the second inning to go up 1-0, it just it, it felt like a bigger lead than 1 0. It felt, you know, like it was going to be a big battle to try to get back in this game. Um, it's just sad to see it go. I wish with all my heart that we gave Yachty and Albert a, a better send off, uh, give them a chance to play the defending champs. Um, but, you know,
0: what can you do? I guess um, it's, the, it's the way it goes. I mean, one thing I just want to add in there is again, the last at bats of their career, when St. Louis needed runs, they both got singles. I mean, they did what they could do, put themselves on base. That's really what you can ask for. And I mean, I think obviously from a Cardinals fan's perspective, it's just upsetting. They had a very good team. You obviously had Goldie and Arenado playing out of their mind, um, team that could have made, maybe made a run. You know, but from a baseball fan perspective, just overall fan, I feel like it, it no time at all from the second game two ended to everyone instantly recognizing, wow, we just saw the last of Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina, which is a crazy statement. I mean, th- these are guys that have been the cornerstone of baseball for 15 years plus here. So, um, I mean, tough to lose those guys in that fashion. Um, I mean, I don't know how you felt after that ninth inning in game one. I like, I, I just don't see how you can come back from that and win a series. I mean, that's just to be in your position at home. What was the game in the regular season where Arenado had that, uh, screwed up play? You know what I'm talking about? had the screwed up play in the ninth and then they got beat. On yeah. Like it was a, against the flute. Mets. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, it, it kind of gave me that, you know, obviously not, you can't really pin it back to one thing. Um. But, I mean, in the postseason, something like that, that just completely takes the energy out. I mean, it takes the energy out of your fans, out of your team. It's hard to come back from that. And then I agree with you that Bryce, when Bryce hit that home run, it just kind of felt like, eh, like I don't know, it felt like a dagger. It was a 1-0 lead, but like you said, it's like it felt so much more than 1-0. Um, yeah, it, it did feel
1: like that. And, and we, we even out hit them in game two. You know, Newt Bar got the leadoff double to start the game going, and I felt good about it. I think a huge point here to make is Paul Goldschmidt in the series went 0 for 7 with four Ks across two games. I mean, it's it's hard to see that and think you're going to win the game. You know, this I, I will say it's it's a pretty top heavy lineup with Goldie and Arenado uh, and Pujols, and to have the likely NL MVP strike out four times and seven at bats, not get a single hit in the series. It's going to be hard to win. I I said before the series that I think the Phillies had better starting pitching and Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola were very impressive. Um, You know, they, they did what they needed to do. Um, And, and that's not to say the Cardinals pitching was bad. I, like I said, Quintana, I thought was very impressive. Michaelis, had an average start for him four and a third two hits three ks gave up two runs though the homer and then the sack fly by schwarber and Jordan Montgomery walked three but didn't give up a run, only two hits and Gallegos and Hicks shut it down so you know it's hard to point to a specific spot where things went wrong it was just uh it was just a lot I don't know it was just a lot of bad things and i and I brought up that helsley middle finger thing because he got taken out in this game, like holding his hand. Uh, you know, they brought the whole training staff out. And so there must've been something lingering or he re aggravated it or something. Cause he clearly wasn't himself Four earned runs for helsley. Like he gave up like four earned runs the whole season. Uh, and that's an exaggeration, but that's what it seemed like. And so it was just unprecedented stuff. You know, I thought Cardinals come in two zero. 0 uh, into the ninth inning, they're going to hold it down, but that wasn't the case. One thing I do want to say uh, about Friday's game in particular, game one, I thought Quintana pitched great, like I've said, but I did not like how Ollie Marmol handled the bullpen. You know, I think he, I really liked him throughout the whole season, Ollie, that is, but he made some questionable decisions. You know, I, I, I didn't mind going to the pen. Hicks came in. He he was throwing heat. He hit the backstop a few times, whatever. He got through the inning. And Gallegos, again, went one and a third, no runs, 1K, no hits. But then he brought in Helsley with only one out in the eighth, trying to have Ryan Helsley get five outs, which I just didn't think was necessary. I didn't think we needed to do that. Like, Gallegos is looking good. Let him go out of the inning and give Helsley a fresh ninth inning to come in and try to get it done or maybe turn it over to Palante there or, or somebody, or just, I would have said, just let Gallegos go, you know, a week before this game, we signed him to a two year, like $15 million deal. Let him come out there and get the outs um, and then give Helsley the fresh inning. But, you know, so I, I, I questioned
0: that a little bit, but you know, what and I mean, do do? just on that point, if you're going to push a closer mm-hmm. to give you five, you're really one reserving that for your high end, high end closing talent, which Ryan Heldsley very much has been all season. But again, he's coming off that, that stint where he's not active. I mean, you save your five out, your six out save for when you have Kenley in his prime, Mariano Rivera in his prime, like not like, Oh, well you're coming back off the IR. Let's see how much we can push you. So I like that point. Um, I mean, overall brutal, um, but, I mean, I do have to give a little bit of a tip of the hat to Philly. I think Absolutely. everyone pretty much thought they were busted and dusted, um, no chance. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, they showed up, they, they got it done, and they impressed me. And clearly, they impressed management. Uh, Rob Thompson, who last episode I picked as my NL manager of the year, gets a two-year extension to become the actual, no longer interim, but the actual manager of the Phillies. I mean, really impressive stuff. You realize when this club, you know, was 12 games back, something like that. And they fire Joe Girardi, you're thinking no chance, Phillies washed, they're done. So to get them not only into a playoff position, but then winning that wild card round, um, tough. And again, I mean, they did it two games, Bush stadium. It's not really a harder place to play. Um, especially for, you know, I mean, market size and all that. St. Louis way out punches the bat. I think they had the second best attendance behind Dodger Stadium, which obviously, like, it's L. A. Like, it like, not even a fair comparison. So, I mean, tough, tough series there. But also that that's playoff baseball right there. I mean, and especially when you're in these wild cards, these little three game series, you can have a guy who has been the best hitter in the National League go zero for seven, and it screws you. And and I mean that's what makes playoff baseball beautiful. That's what makes it great, because you also can have a guy go seven for seven with four home runs and won a series.
1: Yeah. You know, everything restarts. Everybody's stats go to zero at the playoffs and Goldie goes over seven with four K's and we'll talk about it later. Trent Grisham batted like four forty in that round and he had a sub two hundred uh batting average all year. But but yeah, I don't want to take away from the Phillies at all. I mean obviously I We're going to talk about the Cardinals, but the Phillies played well. They did what they needed to do. Their starting pitching was excellent. Um, Their bullpen was very good. They got a homer from Bryce Harper. They got a sack fly from Kyle Schwarber. They were able to get hits and move runs across the plate when they needed to. Um, We'll see how they match up against Atlanta, and I think we should turn to that. Um, and, And, you know, final thing is, like, it's sad to see Yachty and Albert go. I I like what you said. You know, they did get a hit in their final at bat. That was great, especially Yachty. You know, Yachty could have been the last out of the game, but he kept the line moving, gave Tommy Edmund a chance. Um, And, like, Yachty's been the catcher for this team since I've started watching. So it's going to be crazy to see what happens. It's going to be different, Um, but it's just sad. But now the Phillies move on, face a... Fellow NL East team in the NLDS, the Atlanta Braves. They got Ranger Suarez going Game One versus Max Fried. Game Two, Zach Wheeler versus Kyle Wright. Um, <clears throat> and then Game Three, will we're not sure what the Braves. You know, could be a bunch of different guys. But the the Phillies will have Nola. So, how, what do you think about this? I mean, how do you think the Phillies match up? Do you think they have a chance in this series? Um, obviously the Braves are the heavy favor. They're the defending champions. They're su- super hot. What do you think?
0: Yeah. I mean, this one, if you would have said this matchup would have happened, but you told me this last week, I would have been like, no question, probably get the brooms out, no chance for Philly. But I think after what we saw, it's hard to count them all out. I mean, they have the bats, they have the star power when it matters. So you mentioned their starting pitching look great. Now, one caveat is that you no longer can just get by with two wins. Um, so they're going to have to get a little deeper into that rotation where it, there's a significant drop-off. Um, and then, you know, it will be interesting. How how can Aaron Nola pitch when he's coming off three days, four days, short rest? Um, you know, can he have that same dominant performance? I don't have that question as much with Wheeler. He is truly a bona fide ace. You give him three days rest, he's still better than pretty much 95% of arms in the league um but this Braves team i mean i come back to it's it's hard to not pick this Braves team incredible pitching which mentioned today Spencer Strider and the next move in this unreal colossus that they're building of just talent core Spencer Strider locked up six more years pretty team friendly terms there so again like this Braves team they'll be you'll be talking about the Braves for the next decade um no question there but To me, it all comes down to that depth. So much about playoff baseball is not what your top-end talent can do. It's when it's the bottom of the seventh and your eighth hole hitter's up, what can he do? And, I mean, there's no question on that. The the Braves, I think, are the deepest lineup in baseball as far as just quality talent across the board. Um, And they're just a great team. I think I still have to go Braves. I think the Phillies can make it interesting but I mean, this Braves team, there's just so much talent for me not to pick them.
1: Yeah, you know, you brought up the short rest thing. Well, it's not gonna be short rest to start because Wheeler went Friday and he's gonna go uh, Thursday and then Nola Saturday to Saturday, I think, or Saturday to Friday. Um, But yeah, it'll be interesting that they see. I have the Braves too. I think the Phillies definitely win at least one game It's interesting, like, Game 1, it almost feels like there's more pressure on Atlanta because the Phillies have Suarez, their third going, versus Freed, and they know that you got Wheeler and Nola looming in Game 2 and 3. And so it can be scary if you drop that first game and you're going into Game 2 down 0-1 with Zach Wheeler on the mound uh, and you lose home field advantage. I think the Braves take care of business. I think Max Freed is going to be dominant in Game 1. Um, And I could just see the Braves putting on a ton of runs tomorrow. Um, It's a day game. I think the Braves are slightly worse in day games, uh, which doesn't really matter, but it'll be interesting to see. I agree. I like Braves. I like Braves in four, I think. I think Phillies win uh, game three at home and then lose game four. Uh, And Braves win in Philadelphia on Sunday.
0: Yeah, and I think just kind of a caveat for the listeners who aren't aware, uh, divisional series are all best of five. So, so again, three three wins will get you there. I like what you said. It's totally right. Dodgers are in the exact same position as the Braves, and we'll get around to that. But that first game, when you start your ace versus that third or fourth pitcher on a staff, the pressure's on you because if you drop that, I mean, it's like you said, if they drop that, they easily could get sneaky swept. And, I mean, that season completely done. I don't expect that, but I do agree Philadelphia finds a way to at least win a game here. Yeah, you
1: know, they know each other well. They're division rivals. They've played each other like 14 times this year. Um, So anything can happen. Uh, I think the pitching matchups will be interesting. It'll be cool to see the Braves back in the playoffs, Ronald Acuna. And like you said, that offensive lineup is so deep. They've got a good bullpen, Kenley Jansen closing it out. Um, but I think if the Phillies pitchers come out and pitch dominantly, maybe a tick above what they did in the Cardinal series, it could be tough. Um, it'll depend. You know, it's going to be a big spot for Zach Wheeler game two in Atlanta. You know, that's going to be a huge moment for him, and he could come in and deliver a pivotal win. Remember, it's like you said, best of five. The road team's goal should be to split the series at home, win one of the two games on the road, um, and then come home and, you know, get a chance to close it out with back-to-back home games. So if the Phillies can take that game too, um, you know, their odds increase a lot. But you got the Braves are the overwhelming favorite for a reason. Uh, They're the defending champs, so
0: I am going Braves, but I'm very excited for it. What series should we move on to next? Do we want to round out the National League? Yeah, we can round out the National League so we can talk a bit about the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a series I predicted right on the nose, that being the Padres and the Mets. Um, The only wild card series to go the full three games, which was pretty crazy. I did not expect that. Uh, But at the end of the day, the Padres got it done, really stunned the world. Um, Again, this is a Mets team who had a meteoric collapse when you look at things now with that 30,000-foot view and realize they dropped that weekend in Atlanta. I mean, they had the lead for so long, dropped it, has this pivotal weekend. If you get the wins in Atlanta, you're probably fine. They don't. They lose the division get thrown into the wild card and get bounced by at least the team I was the lowest on. Um, of course, look, it's a very good team, regardless, Manny Machado, Juan Soto. That is a unreal, like top of the order, uh, not to mention some of their depth players. As you said, Trent Grisham was amazing, amazing in the three game series, but to get four. Yeah. Like you said, 430 plus or something, you know, ridiculous batting average for a guy who was sub 200. Um, and yeah, I mean, you had that, I felt pretty good after game one, when the Padres beat Scherzer, I was like, okay. I mean, cause you knew they were going to throw to Grom and of course to Grom got it done. Um, no question there And game three, I mean, Bassett, you know, he was good at some points in the season, but I mean, they got to him pretty early and, and pretty much from the fourth inning on, it was, I mean, I, from the fourth inning on, I was like, yeah, Padres have this, no question.
1: Yeah, so I, I did look. Trent from batted a 500 for that series, but um, yeah, it was the only game to go three. Um, but I will say the three games were the least competitive games we saw all week or all weekend. Um, you know, game one, Phillies came out hammering. Um, Scherzer, I mean, total total collapse by Max Scherzer. Terrible outing. Goes 4.2, gives up seven earned runs, four home runs. Uh, that first one, that opposite field bomb by Josh Bell, which was crazy. Um, and then Grisham goes deep in the second, like a poke over right field. Or maybe that was Profar's. Um, but either way, Machado and Profar then hit two in the fifth. And Max Scherzer gets booed at, at City Field as he comes off. Um you Darvish was good. Seven innings pitched, gave up six hits, one earned four Ks, no walks. Um, so that's good to see. And, you know, yeah, like I said, it was the least competitive. Padres got all over him in game one. Mets got all over him in game two. You got a Lindor homer. Uh, there was a little sweat at the end there when they were down four and the bottom of the ninth base is loaded. Josh Bell at the plate. I thought uh, he was going to do it. I really did. <laughs> but he got out of it. And then game three was all Joe Musgrove. I mean, totally locked it down. Mets got one hit the whole game. Uh-huh. Uh, amazing in a in a do or die game. One hit. Joe Musgrove locks it down, um, and the Phillies were just, or excuse me, the the Padres were just able to keep the line moving. You know, like Hassan Kim, I think scored three runs, uh, and he had got walked three times. So, like I think he went 0 for 1 with three runs scored, um, and so they were just able to get keep the line moving, get key hits from Austin Nola, um, and that was it. You know, I was hoping for a more competitive game last night, but Padres just shut it down 6-0. And you know, I I don't know if you're ready to move to it, but now Padres play well, but, the NL Rival- West
0: hear- get into that, yeah. I do want to talk about there was just a couple insane situations in game three that we have to talk about. As you mentioned, Joe Musgrove was incredible. So much so, so that we got the first ever Eargate in MLB history uh, where Buck Showalter um, and, and what I think is actually some pretty good, not sportsmanship, but gamesmanship. Because either way, cheating or not, kind of getting in his head a little bit. Uh, but you had the umpire go out there um, and really get real intimate. With Joe Musgrove's ears, he's touching all around them. He's inside of them. Real creepy scene. Um, obviously, his ears were glowing. Andrew McCutcheon at home uh, from the couch because, you know, the Brewers, not a playoff team. There you go, Max. Something to make you feel a little bit better. Uh, he said it's probably icy hot. He knows pitchers have done that to kind of stay locked in, which whatever floats your boat. Uh, so crazy little ear gate situation happened. Umpires came to the conclusion He's not cheating. Musgrove was pissed off, strikes out the side, looks right at the Mets dugout, you know, lets it um see it a little bit. And then the other thing that was just look, you knew all year the hype that Edwin Diaz was getting with the narco song and it being this national movement and thing. You knew I knew it was going to come back and bite them at some point. Like it's too good not to be brought up. And we got to see exactly that as they're playing the trumpets, trying to get the fans hyped as they are down four runs maybe five runs by that point, uh, basically on their way out of the playoffs. Pretty epic moment, and the whole baseball community jumped on it. I mean, I've seen so many tweets of little banners that are like, congratulations, Mets 2022, sweet closer entrance, you know, like all this stuff. So in effect, Steve Cohen spent $291 million this year uh, for everyone to get really excited about some trumpets and get out of the playoffs very quickly. I
1: believe DeGrom's a free agent, too. Um, and a couple things on his start, like you know, I, I think the Mets relied too much on you know, we talked about their pitching, right? They got Scherzer, they got DeGrom, they got Bassett, they paid all this money for Scherzer, and they just fell short. You know, that was supposed to be this team's strong suit. And I talked about Scherzer, DeGrom was good, you know, he was fine, but he wasn't the DeGrom anyone was hoping for. You know, he went six innings. Gave up two earned runs, walked two, five hits. He struck out eight, obviously, but that's not DeGrom-type stuff. And I can think of so many pitchers this weekend that pitched way better than that. Musgrove, Bieber, McKenzie, Castillo, um, Wheeler, Nola even. I mean, the list goes on. Um, And I think it's Glass now pitched really good. Uh, So, you know, it was a good start from DeGrom, but I, I don't know. I think he needed to be better, too uh he was just it was kind of an average Degrom start they got the win that game
0: um but again i just i don't know i don't know i, mean, I think he could have provided a little more the way this mets team was set up and it is what made them such a terrifying playoff team is really they needed scherzer and Degrom to give you back-to-back days of six seven innings pitch two hits zero earned runs i mean that's what you need it, like yes that's an incredible outing but it's also like you have two of the top five pitchers in baseball eating majority of your payroll you have to do that and now it's interesting you know i've seen some tweets i could see steve cohen just being like the hell with this aaron judge here's a 750 million dollar deal let's let's play some ball um but also interesting to see where degrom goes does he stay in new york or does he go wow i have been the best pitcher of my time in the league had the worst run support and i could go pretty much most other teams in the po- postseason and be way more successful i mean again i think if you throw Degrom on even the padres the dodger i mean so many teams he's a 25 one pitcher like seriously um so we'll see but i don't think people were expecting this outside of me of course i knew this padres team they had something to prove uh and i guess that kind of takes us into this next series which is let's do it highly highly anticipated on my side that would be San Diego Padres playing the Los Angeles Dodgers in an NL West matchup. And I want to just get right out of the way. I've been outspoken all season about how just embarrassing and bad the Padres are. This is playoff baseball. It is totally different. It's five games. Have your best efforts. Their pitching staff is pitching the best they have. You have Juan Soto and Manny Machado. I mean... Anything can happen. They played great. As you mentioned, the bottom of their order was moving the line. And that's what playoff baseball is about. Move the line. Move the line. O for 1, three runs scored. That's an incredible line. You're talking playoffs. That's an incredible line. Um, so, you know, I do have to not tip my cap, but, you know, I just want to get some Dodger fans into perspective here. Just, shouldn't it shouldn't just be like, oh, the cakewalk totally free. With that being said, Dodgers in three. No question.
1: It's going to be interesting. I'm really excited for it. The Dodgers owned the regular season matchups, but I, you know, like you said, I don't know if that matters much. I know Dodgers are going Julio game one, Kershaw game two, uh, versus Clevenger will go game one for the Padres. Um, obviously they already used three of their pitchers. So Clevenger goes game one. You Darvish goes game two against Kershaw. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's going to be fun. Dodger stadium is going to be packed. Petco park's going to be packed. Um, we'll see, uh, we'll see how many Padres fans are there versus Dodger fans. I, I think there'll be a lot of Padres fans for the postseason. Well, let and me just t- gonna be rocking
0: just why you went on to that point. Something came out yesterday that proves how big of a joke the Padres organization is. And that would be that because they in effect really have like six real fans, and they know that their stadium will be covered in blue, will be cheering, hollering, and just screaming and making it blue heaven in San Diego. They ban the sale of tickets uh, or to any zip codes, basically, that are not in San Diego or directly surrounding San Diego in an effort to keep Dodgers fans out. Um, I think it's a pretty classless move. It does not worry me. There still will be more blue there than brown and gold. I can guarantee that. Uh, I mean, the only home field advantage they're getting at Petco is batting last in the ninth. That's it. There will be no environment. There will be no, none of that. I still expect Dodger blue. Um, So it'll be exciting. I mean, it's, it's somewhat scary from a Dodgers fan perspective, just because we have embarrassed them so bad over the last two years to the point where like there were people asking if they needed to be relegated to triple a baseball, real people were asking these questions. Um, And when you embarrass a team at that point, at some point it's going to punch you back. I look right to last year, San Francisco rained on the Dodgers parade, you know, even though they broke a franchise or tied a franchise win record, they did not win the division. So what did the Dodgers do smack them promptly out of the playoffs? It could be something similar, but again, I mean, I feel good that game one matchup, tons of pressure, I think, on the Dodgers because you have your ace, you know, going against um, Mike Clevenger who has a 9.7 ERA against the Dodgers this season. You drop that one, it gets scary. You know, I like the matchup with Kershaw, but and while Kershaw's pitched really, really well since coming off the I.L. and just really well this year, you never know what you're going to get out of Kershaw in the playoffs. And again, this team, they have the tools to be dangerous. I'm still not worried. Marcus Lynn Betts, he's throwing, he's bowling 300s for fun, just had his 30th party. Boys are buzzing. Everyone's got to relax a little bit. Um, We'll see. I mean, I think the Dodgers obviously super favored. They should win, but I don't know. It's just, I don't know how as a Dodgers fan, I could even stomach the Padres beating them. Like, that would be brutal. I just think
1: the Padres are going to need to put up runs if they want to win this series. You know, I think it's going to be a pretty, if the Padres compete a high scoring series, because you know, the Dodgers offense is going to go crazy. Um, but, but the Dodgers pitching is better. So, you know, the Padres are going to have to get after the Dodgers pitching and put up runs to keep it competitive. Otherwise I could see a lot of like five, one, six, two games, um, especially early against Julio and Clayton. Um, and then it'll be interesting to see the matchups as we move through it. You know, do they push Musgrove up? I feel like if it's game three in San Diego, uh, do they make Musgrove the number two starter over Blake Snell? And if they it, went, it's a do or die. Do, I mean, if it's a do or die, they might let them both go, but it'll be interesting to see the pitching matchups. I, I got Dodgers in, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think Dodgers in four. I'll give Padres a game too.
0: You know, it's it's interesting. The only thing if they do the Joe Musgrove, Blake Snell thing, and I agree, when it's back against the wall, your only focus is continuing to win games. If they do that, they're screwed. I don't know who they would even plan on pitching if they would try and go Clevenger again on short rest at that time His ERA against the Dodgers will be well over 10. I, I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, but I actually, I am genuinely confident. I think this is a sweep. I think the Dodgers, you know, are just ready to go take care of business. Um, the longer it goes, the scarier it gets if you're LA. Um, so, you know, it's just really my key focus. Do not pit Manny Machado or Juan Soto in any position to win a game. If you avoid that, you're probably fine. Uh, Manny Machado has been unstoppable against the Dodgers this year, just a nail in their side. Um so we'll see, and I'm scared about that game three a little bit. Tyler Anderson, been great all season, but he's very much a pitch-to-contact guy. In the postseason, your strikeout guys just do better. That's just a fact. You're looking at postseason baseball. You don't want to pitch to contact. Luckily, great defense behind him. I'm excited. I mean, quite frankly, you, you look at the way that the playoff matchups could happen if everything went well. They could get the chance to smack San Diego one more time have an incredible trilogy against the Braves and potentially go on to rematch Houston and what would be one of the most epic playoff runs, just story wise, um ever, but a lot of games to win. hundred and fourteen wins in the regular season does not matter. It's postseason baseball. 0 zero zero. Everyone on the Dodgers is batting zero.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be a good one. I, I think the tensions will be high. Both of these teams really don't want to lose this series. Um So they're going to be getting after it. I mean, there's the Machado storyline back in L.A. He's going to get booed for sure. Um, It's going to be it's going to be good. It's going to be intense.
0: Fun fact, uh, Manny Machado, that would be the same Manny Machado who made a bet with a Dodgers fan when he was in the on-deck circle and said, I will bet you my entire contract. We won a World Series before you. That would be in 2019. For those of you that have a brain and are at home, 2020, Dodgers won a World Series. Padres were not in the playoffs. So that already happened. Now Manny has a chance to answer the bell and he's not going to, cause he's a lazy piece of shit. Well, we'll see American league. <laughs> yeah.
1: Let's go to the guard series. Um, Tampa Bay Rays versus the Cleveland guardians. <laughs> I mean, let's start with game one. Um, game one was just a clinic by Shane Bieber. Um, he gave up the one solo shot to Jose Siri to put the uh, the Rays up 1-0, but goes seven and two-thirds, only three hits, eight Ks, one walk, and the only run being that solo shot. Just goes right to class A after that. I mean, going two pitchers in a postseason game is impressive. That's what the Guardians needed. Jose Siri gets the whole solo shot. Uh, bottom of that inning, Jose Ramirez gets a two-run homer off McClanahan. Interesting note. Two players named Jose hit homers off two players named Shane in the same inning. A little interesting there. But McClanahan also pitches great. Uh, Not as good as Bieber. McClanahan gives up seven hits uh, over seven innings. But again, only two pitchers go for the Rays. Seven innings pitch, seven hits, two earned runs. Obviously, the two-run homer by Jose Ramirez. And that was the difference between these two teams. Guardians win game one, two-one, out hit the Rays eight to three.
0: Um and then game two. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I mean, this whole I'll let you get back into the game two recap, but this series was insane. I mean, it really was the epitome of playoff baseball, and pretty much exactly what we predicted would happen when you have two incredible staffs meeting up. Again, I mean, you have a series playoff series that ended with a total score of three to one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: In game two 15 innings until Oscar Gonzalez hits a walk off home run to lead the bottom of the 15th to give the Guardians the 1 0 win and the series win to move on to face the Yankees. I was at this game, went over five hours. Crazy. I mean, Tristan McKenzie pitched amazing. He goes six innings, pitched eight Ks, two hits, no runs. Amazing outing from Tristan, but the guardians go McKenzie, Karen track, Stefan, Sandlin, Morgan, De Los Santos, and Henches and Henches, by the way, three innings pitched, three hits, six Ks. He goes the 12th the, or the 13th, the 14th and the 15th inning and strikes out six. Um, and then the rays go glass. Now Fairbanks, Adam Rasmussen comes in, Clevenger, Armstrong, Rayleigh, and Corey Kluber gets the loss. There are so many things to point out in this game. Um, I mean, the pitching was dominant at the beginning. Glass now is third start since coming off the IL. Goes five innings, pitch five Ks, two hits, no runs, no walks. Um, It really got crazy in extras. Uh, Jose Ramirez's crazy play uh, throwing to Josh Naylor and Josh Naylor making an
0: incredible play um there was that double had, play
1: turned by yeah go well, yeah. i was
0: just gonna say they had two of those and back-to-back innings jose ramirez made virtually the identical play with incredible dig out from josh naylor both times and both of well one saved the game you know one stopped future damage
1: yeah and there was that great jimenez double play too uh where they kind of froze brujan and then jimenez throws it over to first and immediately gets the tag out coming back to second that was a game changer Extras was scary, you know. The I think the Rays got first and third, nobody out at one point in extras. Uh, we got out of that. I mean, it was it was crazy, crazy game. And then Gonzalez has just a total pimp job. I mean, crushes it and doesn't even watch it. Just immediately looks at the Rays bullpen, flips his bat. It was it was awesome. Um, and yeah, like you said, three to one series went three to one score for the Rays across the series um, or score for the series. I think, you know, I think we said before the series was going to be tight. It's going to come down to timely hitting. It came down to timely hitting, you know, in game one, both teams had a home run and Jose's just had somebody on base. And then game two, you know, for a while there was nothing. It was just pitching dominance until Oscar pulled through. Crazy, crazy game, crazy series, but Guardians get the sweep.
0: I, my, my biggest takeaway is, one, from the series, just how dominant this Cleveland staff is. They really have a top staff, um, and you know that, but it's like I feel like when the season starts, like, okay, well, they have Shane Bieber and who? I mean, obviously, Tristan McKenzie proved himself. He's been great all year. Um, you know, when the lights were shining, got it done. My other key takeaway is, Holy crap, Juan Jose Ramirez, obviously one of the best players in the league, but what he means is Cleveland team is crazy. If it's not hitting the go-ahead run to win, he's making incredible, incredible defensive plays, almost unbelievable defensive plays at third base to keep them in, keep them in this. I mean, just a truly remarkable effort from him across the series, as well as everyone else um, who you know, got it done in their own little way. And that's how Cleveland has to win baseball games. That's exactly what they did.
1: Yeah. You know, game one was all about the stars of the team. Bieber, Jose, Class A, they're the, they're the stars of game one. Um, and I think a big thing here, you know, looking a little bit ahead to be able to get the sweep, I think will go a long way for this team's outlook against the Yankees, um, because being able to save Cal Quantrill for game one versus the Yankees is huge. Instead of having to go to likely Aaron's folly. um, Now this allows them to go Quantrill game one, Bieber game two, McKenzie game three, Cal Quantrill game four, and then game five, maybe Bieber on short rest. Uh, So I think that's a huge advantage. For the Guardians, not an advantage over the Yankees, but just a huge boost in their odds looking to that series um and how they might match up. Um but James, we both picked them over the Yankees. Uh so it's gonna be a big matchup, games one and two tomorrow and Thursday in Yankee Stadium. What are we thinking? Game one, Cal Quantrill versus Garrett Cole, game two, Shane Bieber versus Nestor Cortez. I'm excited for it. I think the Guardians got a really good
0: shot. Yeah, I I would say, if anything, I feel stronger about my prediction, seeing the sweep and how that's going to let them match up. And Kyle Quantrill's been great. He could do great. I think game one's going to go to the Yankees. I mean, they're at home. You have Cole pitching, you know, could go anyway. I mean, Cole is one of those pitchers. He's normally great, but when he's bad, he's really bad. I mean, when he's off and missing his spot, he is – really bad um so that could go anyways but what this proved to me is and of course it's hard to make crazy generalizations from two games but this guardians team confirmed what i've seen all year which is they just find a way to win it's something that's remarkable there's no other way i know how to phrase it no matter who's at the plate they just find a way oscar gonzalez in the 15th i mean they find a way i think that's gonna come out and one i think even though the yankees have probably the deepest staff they've had in a while guardians have the pitching advantage i won't hear it any other way um you know shane bieber versus nestor cortez cortez has been great he's fun one of the more fun pitchers in baseball not even in the same zip code as shane bieber um and we saw that and then again i think this yankees offense yes they have good talent around the field all over the field sure If they can get around Aaron Judge, even get him set up in spots where they can just intentionally walk him and just get around him, keep him low in the zone, pepper him with sinkers, just give him stuff he cannot pit in the short porch, I think they can win. That's the problem with this Yankees team. It's really like, is Judge hot or not? And is John Carlo awake? Those are the questions. I don't think Josh Donaldson is going to be an impact player here. And again, you say that about anyone, and they could prove me wrong. It's the playoffs. You know, it's the unlikely heroes who shine. Uh, but I think Judge means so much to this team that if you can pitch around him or he has – he slumps at the wrong time, I think they're screwed.
1: Yeah, I think you make a good point. And, but at the same time, I think the Guardians' offense needs to pick it up a little bit. Uh, you know, they only scored three runs in 24 innings. Um Quan didn't get a hit in the series, so you know you got to expect him to pick it up a little bit. Other than that, everybody's got some hits, but well, you know, it'll be interesting to see. One thing I will say game three, or excuse me, game one, uh, you know, we talked about how, for example, the Padres have to go Clevenger in game one and the Phillies have to go, um, Suarez in game one. I like Quantrill over both of those guys, uh, giving Quantrill a chance in game one, like you said, you know. He's not the ace, but he's had a great year, and he could definitely get a win. And Garrett Cole, you know, he has his moments where he blows up. And if the Guardians could get a good outing from Quantrill, get a couple runs from Cole, go to that good Cleveland bullpen that'll be fully rested, that was locked down for nine whole innings after McKenzie went six. They could get after the Yankees pen, and then you know if they steal game one, get Bieber game two, Yankees fans are going to be scared, and um, I think we'll learn a lot tomorrow about how the season's going to go. One thing to note, Nick Sandlin is out for the Guardians for the year, uh, some type of injury, but
0: still a ton of great arms. I'm super excited for the series. And I also think part of what sways me a little bit is the intangibles. Um, So a couple things I point to. I think Yankees fans have been too hot on themselves. They almost had too good of a year and a little variability that they're almost due for the same thing that Mets fans had. I mean, they had this overconfidence and you get punched in the mouth when you're not looking. So I think there's a bit of a factor there. And then you have the exact opposite where Cleveland really has no pressure here. They shouldn't be in the postseason. They shouldn't be in the divisional series. If New York loses, it's a catastrophe. If Cleveland loses, it's expected. You know, I think that narrative helps them. And the final thing is like, I don't think you can overstate or understate, I guess, rather the trash barrage that Yankees fans rained down yeah. on Guardians. If that happened, and I think that moment turned the Guardians series, it bonded them as a team, changed their season. You don't forget that. And if you want the last laugh of those losers and right field. Just knock them out of the playoffs and go, wow, all the payroll. Oh, my God, we cut away from every football game for the last nine weeks to watch Aaron Judge get walked just for you to get punched in the mouth by a bunch of 22-year-olds. I think all those stack up well for Cleveland, plus 160 in the series. I know we're not doing a lock of the week. And prompt do lock of the week, plus 160 in the series. Guardians, take it home. Buy your kids a nice Christmas present. Put 100K on it. Get 160 back. No sweat. It's easy. I, like, I just like Cleveland. I like the stories. I think they know how to win, and I don't think this Yankees team has really had to play with their back up on the wall.
1: Yeah, I think, I think uh, I'm think i taking Cleveland in four. I think they lose game one and then win three straight, uh, going Bieber and then McKenzie, and then Quantrill closes game four. He hasn't lost at home all year. I like Quantrill in game four. Um but, yeah, it'll be super fun. It'll be super fun. I can't wait. Um, one series left, James. Quite a series it was. The Seattle Mariners, for the first time since 2001, go to the playoffs, go to Toronto to play the Toronto Blue Jays. And... Wow, I mean, Game One was all Seattle, pretty much. I mean, they got after three zero in the first inning uh, and able to hold on. Castillo was dominant, dominant. That's why Great. they paid him. He was excellent. And then Game Two, I mean, that's where the story is. Blue Jays are up eight to one, eight to one, and end up losing the game ten to nine. Unbelievable! I mean, it was totally unbelievable. Really, uh, total collapse by the Blue Jays. I, I mean, it's it's hard to even say. I mean, Bass and Romano gave up five earned runs. Um, and if so, let me let me put it in some context here. So after five innings, the Blue Jays are up. Let's see, eight to one. They're up eight to one after five then Mariners put up four in the sixth Toronto puts up one in the seventh and then Mariners put up four in the eighth and one in the ninth to take the one run lead and win 10-9 what
0: are your thoughts I mean I initially got well before I say anything I should say um, in the inning where they tied everything up there was a just absolutely gut-wrenching terrible collision uh, between Bo Bichette and George Springer and that was like that was hard to see. I mean, he was instantly—you knew that was bad. Um, had to be carted off the field. Um, you know, luckily he was able to kind of hype the fans up, give a little energy. Um, so hopefully everything's okay. He was part of the cheating scumbag Astros, but as a human being, I am not happy that that happened. Very nasty situation. So hopefully all is well there. Um, just want to start with that. that I mean, that it was a—it's na- about as gross it as life. it can get. Just, just two teammates trying both. Pitting, they're all on the line to try and get a ball. That's who Bo Bichette are. That's George Springer. They're going to try and make a play. Terrible collision. Looked like a knee straight to the head at full speed. Um, but outside of that, I feel bad for Toronto fans. Not just Blue Jays, just Toronto fans. If you look at North American sports and just choking, throwing it away. I mean, the Maple Leaves may be the best Franchise in the world. It's just blowing leads. I think back to the Boston game. Of course, all Toronto fans know that reference where they're up 3 0 and lose 4 3 with 10 minutes left in the third. This is Toronto sports. And it, I mean, it's so foul. They're so good last year. You're thinking this Blue Jays team, we both picked them to be in the World Series. You're at home, high powered offense. You got some great pitching going. And then to lose it like that, I mean, it's it's got to be gut-wrenching. If you're a Toronto fan, it's like you're down, you're swept in your own house instantly in a game where you had the huge lead and fumbled it away. And it's really really a horror scene in Toronto. I mean, I, I don't really know where you go from here as an organization. Like, they have a really good team. I don't think there's many moves you need to make, but, like, you played great for 162-game season and then just let, you know, really they punted victory. An eight-ride. It's the third largest come from behind in playoff history.
1: Yeah, look, there's no need to press the panic button for the Blue Jays. They're a young team with Guerrero, with Bouchette, and all those other pieces around him. Espinal's been great. Kirk, Chapman, Springer, Hernandez. They've got great players, and Gossman pitched great um, in that game, too. You know, Manoa struggled. I will say Manoa, but Manoa, again, he's super young and he's going to be with them no need to press the panic button this team's going to be back in the postseason um and both these teams really young cores uh have chances to match up again next year and kind of start a little rivalry it was brutal man eight to one through five innings and you can't pull it out uh you know there's just like not much else to say the mariners were just able to just able to get it done. You know, they hit that. They hit a big three-run home run with Carlos Santana, but other than that, no home runs that game. You got a double from Santana, double from Suarez, double from Crawford, double from Frazier, double from Raleigh. Um, but they were just able to keep the line moving, get 13 hits. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, it's tough. It's tough. I would hate to be a Blue Jays fan right now, and I can't do and, much talking, but
0: that's tough. Well, and it's... I mean, super exciting for Seattle. This is a team who, again, not many picked to be in the postseason. Of course, yours truly did. Um, But especially to make noise and like this Blue Jays team, you know, it was a decent matchup, but a road series and Rogers Center, that's tough, especially when your best player is literally a kid. Um, They got it done. They answered. I was really impressed. Cool thing to come out of this. They did a watch party. I don't know why. I can't think of what the Mariners ballpark is called. Um, but they did a watch party there and a fan took off his little Birkenstock, it on his head and called it rally shoe. And before (laughs) you knew it, the entire stadium had tied their shoes to their head and somehow it worked. Uh, The fan has since written rally shoe on it, signed it and it's going to the Mariners hall of fame, um, which is pretty awesome. I love stuff like that. I mean, I'm such a sucker for the little superstitions and, and things like that. Awesome stuff from the Mariners. And again, they're, The rotation is scary. You saw that Luis Castillo proved exactly why they traded for him, exactly why they extended him, um, was lights out. And I like what you said, Max. No panic button. Toronto will be back. I have no doubts about that. Same with the Seattle team. Um, We're going to have some noise. And this Guardians team, and you have a lot of good young cores in the American League that will be here for a while to challenge. Yep.
1: And I guess moving forward, then we're going to get another, um, intra, intra-division matchup, AL West matchup, Mariners Astros. Um, this is an interesting series for me. You know, the, the Astros are great. They're the best team in the American league. Uh, obviously they've got Verlander going game one, Valdez game two, probably. I mean, they're loaded. Um, but I think the Mariners, You, I mean, and as they showed in game two, you cannot count them out. Um, and so I think this will be a really interesting
0: series. Yeah, I, you know, my initially, again, you asked me a week ago, no doubt Houston Astros, very easy. I don't know if you can say that. Yes, Houston has incredible pitching, and especially in um, Frambler-Valdez and Justin Verlander. But it's like those guys aren't. They're better, but they're not super far off from Castillo, Gilbert, Robbie Ray. You got a good matchup. Obviously, I think Houston has the more experience. I mean, way more experience. I mean, Jose Altuve has the second most postseason home runs. Granted, most of them shouldn't count because he was busy being a trash can beater. But um, it's going to be interesting. I think that edge, the fact that they just continue to get to the ALCS could come up big. That veteran presence whereas you have almost the opposite in Seattle, these young, hungry kids. And it's super exciting, this interleague matchup. We got some great series out of these two teams during the regular season. This one's hard to put a pulse on. I mean, it's hard not to pick the Astros here. I think they're clearly the best team in the American League. But again, it's playoff baseball. And when you see what that Seattle team did to Toronto, it's hard to not think they can keep that rolling. I mean, that's got to be just such an incredible feeling to be down 8-1 and just go, well, actually, why don't we just win this fly home and just rest a bit?
1: Yeah, I think I'm leaning Astros in five. I'd love to see a game five in this series. Um, I, I, I think it's just going to, you know, the, the Mariners are going to have to play well. You know, the, like you said, the Astros have been there. They, they know what's going on here. They, winning the ALDS isn't their goal. Um, so they're going to be locked in Um, and so the Mariners are going to have to get after Verlander they're going to have to get after Valdez and they're going to need great pitching you know the Mariners team's young a lot of these guys almost all these guys have no experience Julio obviously Castillo I mean Winker Suarez Ty France like these guys don't have a ton of postseason experience and they're going against the big dogs the number one team that have experience they have gone to five out of the list five out of the last 6 ALCS going to a three world series um, so they're the, they're the, going
0: to be the underdogs but you know I don't think you can count Seattle out yeah I, i'm right with you let's make it five i'm going to take houston with the home field advantage in the fifth game but I will not be surprised at all for sitting here in a week's time talking about Seattle going to an ALCS. I think it's very much a possibility, and it would be electric. I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking, could you imagine a Julio pits up a multi-homer game in game five and just calls, calls game? That would be incredible. We'll see what happens. But I personally, I'm really conflicted because, of course, the Mariners are like my second team this year. I want them to win. But at the same time, I want the Dodgers to have the ability to beat the Astros. Obviously, they can't do that. Um, but before you can even make decisions on that, I'm worried about them one game at a time. Get through the DS. Right. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, we, we've got some great playoff matchups here. I think the worst one is obviously for competitiveness, Braves, Phillies. Um, but still, anything can happen. You still have the. Again, it's crazy talking about the worst team at playoff baseball has the guy who was second in home runs and Bryce Harper who's not the guy who's second in home runs um we'll see I'm excited I'm very excited about this postseason Wildcard weekend did not let us down um yeah I mean it let, let, let me you down, let me man, down a man. little said, bit but I said it <laughs> let you down the entertainment was there though um it was it was no denying that so we'll see how the DS goes I mean what series are you most excited for of these four
1: um, you know, from a personal emotional perspective, definitely the guardians yankees series, um, you know, I'm going to plan to be there next weekend, uh, for games three and four. And I, I you know, I, I live the energy was hype here after the win and, and being in the city. It's, you know, I, I care about the guardians a lot. So I'm, that's my number one, but from a baseball perspective, <laughs> um, not Braves Phillies, I don't think, um, The other two are close. I think Dodgers Padres is just going to be entertainment. Like, I I think it's going to get chippy. I think it's going to be intense. The teams don't like each other. Uh, And maybe you can say the same about Mariners Astros. You know, the Mariners are the underdogs going up against the big guys on the block who have owned the AL West. So I think we're going to see some great stuff. And that's not to undermine Braves Phillies. I just, you know, I'm not the Phillies aren't super entertaining to me
0: no I, I like your read there and it's gonna be i mean I, I it's just it's all must watch there's not a game here that's not worth watching very excited we'll see if our predictions come true max and uh you know where we go after that what the cs is going to look like um i mean it could go anywhere so i'm i'm very excited looking forward to it and it's it kind of sucks your playoff journey has already ended before mine has started um so gonna be pretty excited yeah. to 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 get that kicked up. But, uh, I mean, we'll see. I, I got a little bit of a nervous feeling. Maybe the Padres' force game four. Maybe.
1: Maybe. We'll see. Well, we got four great series. Guardians, Yankees, Mariners, Astros, Phillies, Braves, and Dodgers-Padres. Who knows when we'll get out episode 66. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe, maybe Sunday in the middle of these series, kind of see what's going on. Um, but... Great episode, James. Love reviewing the wild card. One of the more hyped episodes I've been to break it
0: down. And it's only going to get more intense from here. Yeah, looking forward to it. Make sure you're following so you can uh, stick stick along and follow the playoffs with us.
1: There we go. Talk to you guys later.